the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Okie dokie. So today we're going to be answering quite a few questions. Number one, is the Instagram Explore page corrupting us and our kids on purpose? I think yes. Number two, what the heck happened in the midterm elections last night? And what is still happening with the results we don't know yet? And of course, what are the long-term solutions? Is there a way out of this? What do we do next? We're going to talk about all of this and more on today's episode. So let's get into it. Okay. Hey guys, this is Morgan Zeggers. Welcome back to the show. If you haven't yet, please hit subscribe. I appreciate it. New episodes every Monday, Wednesday, Friday. If you guys want to know what the left's real plan is for your kids, just look at the reaction to the work Patriot Mobile did in multiple school districts in Texas. The left is losing their minds. Patriot Mobile is America's only Christian conservative mobile phone provider and a force for conservative values. That's because they take a portion of your bill and they fund conservative causes and candidates who believe in the sanctity of life, the freedom of speech, the Second Amendment, and they are winning. Patriot Mobile has affordable plans for you, your family, even your business. They offer the same nationwide coverage as the major carriers because they use multiple major networks. Plus, you're supporting conservative values with every call. Go to patriotmobile.com slash Morgan or call 972-PATRIOT. Get free activation with offer code Morgan. Special discounts available for veterans and first responders. Join the movement. Make the switch today and a difference tomorrow. That's patriotmobile.com slash Morgan, patriotmobile.com slash Morgan. Or call 972-PATRIOT. Thanks, guys. Okay, so I just need to start the episode. First of all, this was supposed to be just an election day recap episode. But I had to include this in here because it's just been tugging on my heart. I've been all frustrated by it. Now, here's the thing. I've talked about this before on previous episodes, I think, about how I truly think that the Explore page on social media things like TikTok and Instagram. For me, I don't have TikTok, so I'm really just seeing this on Instagram. They are dedicated to corrupting our minds. I can't stand it anymore. And I was talking about this first with Graham Allen, who is an amazing family man, three kids. His wife, Alyssa, is just amazing, uh, awesome business guy, political commentator. He just does so much, and he's in South Carolina. And we were all together, and we were talking about how, listen, I'll be honest. I'm not looking at uh, sexual stuff on Instagram. I'm not really interested as a young, straight, conservative 25-year-old woman, I don't really want to see uh, other young women on Instagram randomly, especially the ones that I don't follow because they're just popping up on my Explore page. I don't want to see them doing sexual acts, but kind of like hidden all to promote their OnlyFans at the link in their bio. And for some reason, even for somebody like me who is super duper not interested in that, I prefer men, right? Like I'm straight. I'm a woman that likes men. I don't want to see these naked ladies on my Instagram page, but what do you know? It's on my Explore page all the time. And some of you are going to be like, well, Morgan, maybe it's because you're clicking on the post and then they pop up because the algorithm shows you similar content. And it's like, no, no, because I'm not engaging in that content. I'm not doing anything that would cause for that content to pop up. And so the fact that it was coming up on my page made me go, well, geez, Think of how young people are on social media these days. Think of how innocent they often are. The fact that it's popping up on my page, what? who else 
has this kind of stuff popping up on their page too. So it made me really frustrated. And then I was talking to Graham and he was like, the same thing happens with me. It's really, really frustrating. And it's something that I've heard from a lot of other people who, you know what? They're not into that at all. It's not in their values. Or maybe they're they're just happily married family guys or family women, mothers, who don't want to see that kind of nasty stuff on their page. So the fact that it pops up onto people's pages when it's not even something that they're engaging with, it's not even like the algorithm is like, well, Morgan liked looking at this other OnlyFans girl, so let's show her more OnlyFans videos. Yeah, it's not possible for the algorithm. So what is going on with those pages being the ones that get promoted randomly on people's Explore pages? It's disgusting. So I started having fun with it, right? And you should keep in mind, this is how grandma I am. And I'm, you know what? It's not even grandma. This is just normal behavior. Whenever one of those pops up now, I click on the the uh concern thingy. And then I'm, it's like, why do you not want to see this post anymore? And I click the, it makes me uncomfortable. <laughs> so then it gets blurred out. But the fact that I do that every single time and it blurs out because I say this post makes me uncomfortable because guess what? I don't want to see a naked lady bend over in a string bikini or there's worse things. It still pops up. So it makes me all frustrated, but I decided to have a little fun with it. In the last two days, you guys, I've compiled a list of the things that have come up on my explore page that I have not engaged with, but then asked to be muted. And then more things pop up. Here is the list. This morning, just now, there was uh, two girls in string bikinis making out on a public beach in front of a guy who's recording them. Um, The next one is a girl in a Target going up to an elderly couple, and she's in these booty shorts. And she, first of all, why did the women, I'm going to get They're not going to like me for this one. Why do the women speak so harshly and aggressively on social media? Uh, That's a phenomenon that perhaps I should do a little uh, more looking into and then talk about it as like a full episode. But there's something to be said about how manly girls like to make themselves appear, especially it's like manly and sexual, like they've got too too much testosterone in them or something. I don't know what's going on. But this girl, a young, young looking woman is scandally dressed and she goes up to like this elderly couple in a target but the video says hey can you guys take a picture of my my a word and the the old man is like in front of his his wife and they look at her and they turn around and walk away and i don't know what in that girl's mind made her think that that was a good idea for content but it makes me sad on multiple levels. Why make it into content? And then second, why would you speak to other humans in such a way? Why would you behave in such a way? And why would you behave in such a way in front of your elders? Lots of different peels on that onion. But that was one of the videos that came up today. The next one was a fantastic ceramic sculpture of lady parts where someone is uh, in front of that sculpture talking about certain sexual things. So. I kid you not, I'm on my Explore page, and that open sculpture is the actual thing on the screen. It's not like you had to like play the video and then it popped up. No, no, no. It's the background. It's the main thing in the video. So imagine if you're a young person, a young kid, because your parents let you have social media, or maybe you're just a teenager and you honestly shouldn't be seeing that stuff anyways. You're on your Instagram page, and then you see this. It's nasty. And so that's actually the one that inspired me, okay? So that's another one. And I also should say, I follow a lot of like pregnancy pages and womanhood pages and stuff like that that have uh, scientific 
diagrams and things like that, but this was not one of those. I'm saying that this was a sexual one. Okay, bad. Now, next one is a girl promoting her OnlyFans. She says she used to be like a firefighter or in emergency services or something, but she wanted to leave that profession. So she made an OnlyFans and now she's the number one emergency services firefighter or something on OnlyFans. So go follow her page at the link in her bio. The next one, a girl peeing on an outdoor chair to promote her OnlyFans. And of course, another OnlyFans one, a two girls doing splits together and then they like start doing stuff together. How does that make it onto an Instagram explore page for Morgan Zeggers? Why? Is somebody playing games with me? Because I don't want to see it. It's weird. And it makes me think of what innocent eyes might be exposed to that kind of stuff because of satanic Instagram explore page. Now, that being said, me and my friend Connor Clegg, love Connor, we have a little joke sometimes of um, sharing reels and posts on the internet back and forth with each other of absolute decrepit behavior. And we say like, "Eh, fall of Rome, LOL. And it just really symbolizes how far we've fallen as a society. And so I sent him one recently and I said, I have an idea. You know, the Dr. Phil thing where... Dr. Phil looks at troubled kids and he's like, let's send them to the ranch. And then they have to go to the ranch. Then they get like uh, taught how to be a better person and they get shown the outdoor way of life, stuff like that. I was like, I am going to grab all of these troubled women on Instagram and I'm going to send them to the homestead. And we're just going <laughs> to right, capture them. We're going to force them to the homestead and I will personally re-educate them. It's going to be a blast. It's going to be fun. If you have any submissions, just let me know. Um, I've got to get the homestead first working on that, thanks to the Biden economy. Um, But that sounds like a fascinating idea, and I think I could dedicate my life to it. It's my new idea. (laughs) Okay, before we get into the politics thing, actually, speaking of my new ideas, I had this idea, you guys, and it's a little embarrassing, but I got into this thing of I can't find a cowboy church like I used to love in Arizona. And so I said, you know, I'll just make my own cowboy church. I will build it on my property, and then if anybody wants to come, they can come. And then it'll grow into a community church. And then uh, because I want to inspire good behavior in all areas of life, I'm going to offer curriculum and education through that same community uh, gathering. And then, oh, we should build a, a gym. And then anybody that wants to come could go to the gym. And then, oh, a library and a, a learning center. And I am going off in my head thinking I've just created the greatest thing since sliced bread. I'm thinking I just saved American society with my little concept. Um, And it only took me about an hour into this concept to realize that I just reinvented in my head the idea of a community center, something that has been around for a very, very long time. So that's another thing from earlier, you know, 1900s America that's completely gone now. I mean, if you think about the decline of community centers, about rotary clubs, VFWs, uh, even the YMCA, like the YMCA is basically what I just created in my head. It's kind of funny that I really thought I was doing something something unique there, but it's just more of a, a lost art. Needless to say, I think I'm still going to do that. I, I would love to have you know some privacy on my own area, but I think if I have a big enough property, you know, let's get a little creative here. If I have a big enough property, I could have a community center, and I'm not talking about like anybody from the community. I mean the good people. Does that make sense? Uh, the people that are really intentional about. Uh, leaning into this lifestyle, 
and they could have access to the gym. They could come to the church service to like a little country folk, bluegrass, guitar picking church session where we sing gospel music like Johnny Cash and stuff like that. And of course, there'll be books and library and like learning opportunities. It'll be great. We will control the politics of the town. I need to stop getting ahead of myself, but this sounds very exciting, and I'm going to do it. So if you want to move to my town, I don't have a town yet. Um, we haven't figured that one. We haven't figured that one out yet. We'll work on it. Let's get into the politics of the day. It's the day after the midterm uh, 2022 election, so we've got to talk about what the heck happened last night and what's going on right now. Let's get into it. So the first question I want to answer from you guys, uh, basically everybody asked the same question, and then there were a few others sprinkled in, but the general theme of the most uh, prominent question was how the heck did this red wave that everybody was talking about turn into barely a trickle? That was that was the best wording of the question, so I picked that one. Um, I would say, you know what? <laughs> definitely was not a red wave. We had some victories. We had some losses. We had a lot of hard lessons learned, of course. So instead of being like, that sucked, or instead of being like, it was a red wave, don't fall for the media lies, we're going to break it down and see uh, what we can take out of this, both positive and negative. So here's what we know. First of all, Florida slammed it out of the park. We saw major changes in even the really deep blue areas of Florida. And it shocked everybody because Florida has always really been a purple state. Governor Ron DeSantis barely won Florida. You guys, I, I know that a lot of the people listening to this are pretty new to politics or they're younger. And so in general, they're just new to politics in America because they haven't really been around for many elections. But Florida is usually a very hotly contested state. And by that, I mean actually purple. But because of the leadership in Florida, with Governor Ron DeSantis leading in his aspect, his strong leadership has really carried with a tide the entire state, leading in the Republican Party, leading in terms of policy and getting all the smaller level politicians to rise up with him and participate in this. And it's really, really exciting. And then on top of that, with that wave is all of the people who are inspired by him and are just more active in politics there or the people that were inspired and wanted to go live under his leadership. So that is really, really cool on a bunch of fronts. So just to really give you an understanding quickly about how serious the changes are in Florida, I want you to listen to this piece from MSNBC. Just got my, I'm told we just got Miami Dade. This is a big one in Florida. Let's take a look at, okay, this, we got the, yeah. So let's put this in some perspective. Miami-Dade County has two and three quarter million people. In 2016, this was a Democratic county by 30 points. Hillary Clinton won this county by 30 points. Miami-Dade is 70 percent Hispanic. It began shifting to the, to the Republicans in 2020. Donald Trump only lost it by seven. And look at this. In the mail-in and early vote, which again tends to be more Democratic friendly. Marco Rubio, the Republican, is outright leading in Miami-Dade County by seven points over Val Demings, a Democratic challenger. In the gubernatorial race, uh, interestingly, we don't have numbers from uh, Miami-Dade County. There they are. I'm not. They popped up for a second. Was that it? That was, that was, I was Okay, so as you can see there, the numbers were pretty shocking. Even with the early mail-in votes that are usually Democratic, the uh, major winner there before the actual election day votes were counted was already Governor Ron DeSantis. Now, that's exciting to see Governor Ron DeSantis won. Let's listen to my favorite part of his victory speech. Woke ideology. 
We fight the woke in the legislature. We fight the woke in the schools. We fight the woke in the corporations. We will never, ever surrender to the woke mob. Florida is where woke goes to die. People have come here because our policies work. Leadership It kind of cuts off there, but he said leadership matters. Uh, Really, really exciting to see. And another funny thing that I noticed last night, you guys know this, I I run a nonprofit where we interview survivors from socialist and communist countries. We see uh, especially two groups in our country, the Latinos and the Asian Americans. Both have a large amount of people in their populations that escaped communism. Now, in Florida, in Texas, you have a lot of the Latino vote that uh, is really passionate about being conservative. They know exactly what they fled. They know exactly what the left is all about. And so you have that that direct generation that did the transfer, uh, the transfer from Cuba, from Venezuela to America that's very passionate about being patriotic and pro-America, pro-American values rooted in freedom. Uh, but then even just one generation away from them, you have younger Americans who were educated in the public school system and were not given a proper education. And then I think, you know, just like many other parents in America, the Cuban-American parents that directly escaped communism sent their kids to American public school and then are shocked to find out that even though they struggled and suffered so much, their family suffered so much at the hands directly from communist dictators their own children in America are so blessed and so so safe and secure in this society and so oblivious to how harsh the real world can be, so indoctrinated by the school system that they end up voting Democrat or embracing socialist policies or fangirling over AOC. Now, that's one concern that I've noticed after interviewing a lot of people that are from Cuba, Venezuela, etc. But then we also have this other issue with Asian Americans in uh, our country that They come from places where after interviewing, I've learned this, I'm not making the assumption, please don't think that I'm saying that, but they have directly told me that a problem in their communities is the fact that their culture leads them to being more uh, quiet about their struggles and the things that they experienced in life. It's just a part of their way to not be very outspoken, even if it's something as atrocious as, did you know that your grandma experienced communism? This is why we came to this country. They usually just lock that up, throw away the key, and they came to America and tried to start new and kind of forget all of that. And so they're struggling on their own with the fact that their younger generations have no idea the backstory to how their family came to America in the first place, why they came in the first place. So what we're seeing here is this difference between direct survivors from socialism and communism who are in America and their offspring. And it's very, very sad to see. I mean, I've interviewed so many people who are just uh, so deeply sad over the fact that they really had no idea how oblivious their children really were to not only their family's story, their direct family story, but also to the world around them, civics, history, economics, politics, because they kind of just assumed, hey, we're in America now. This is an amazing place. They've got amazing schools. They're an amazing society because in so many ways we really are compared to other areas of the world, right? And now they're learning weight. So the school systems did not teach our children about the history of the kind of stuff that we experienced. It's a hard lesson to learn, and it's really sad when I speak to parents as they tell me how how deeply regretful they are, and it's kind of too late to start those conversations now that their kids are adults. So I'm saying that 
because we had the left freaking out on the mainstream media last night. This is what I noticed when I was watching TV because I have a TV now because I'm young and hip. (laughs) I bought a TV. I think I've told you guys that like three times now, but I bought a TV and now I can do things like watch the news on election night and I'm watching it and I'm, I'm seeing like Jen Psaki's tweeting saying, well, we lost Florida because the the right is sharing misinformation and they use socialism talking points that really scare the older Latino voters in Florida who experience socialism, but we can at least reach the youth in Florida. She's openly admitting the fact that, hey, you know, our leftist talking points are definitely not going to work with people who suffered and lost family members, lost their lives because of socialism and communism. But hey, we can certainly get their completely ignorant children and grandchildren. So let's focus on that in the future. You then had people on the mainstream media, Joy Reid, and then people tweeting about how, you know what, Cubans, they only know how to vote for dictators. What did they mean by that, you guys? They were saying that Ron DeSantis is basically like a dictator, and that's why the Cubans in Florida, who many of them escaped dictator, socialist communist dictator Fidel Castro, they left that Cuba after getting him in power, even though he rose up in a revolution, and then they came and they voted for another dictator, oh, Governor Ron DeSantis, because those dang Cubans are so stupid they can only vote for dictators. Wow. Please, mainstream media, leftists, Democratic talking heads, please tell us how you really feel. Thank you so much. (laughs) Thank you so, so much for explaining that that's what you think of people who came to this country as refugees and then built themselves up from the bottom. Okay, the people that truly appreciate being here and love being an American. Please explain to us more uh, your inner thoughts, where your heart's really at on that one. Wow. So that really caught my attention. The next thing, after we look away from Florida, the next thing that we can look at as a positive is the fact that we won back the House, potentially the Senate too, but we're still waiting for a few races to be decided. And it looks like Georgia is going into a runoff with uh, Herschel Walker and Warnock. But here's the thing that we need to focus on regarding winning the House. Even if it's just us winning the House, the positive thing here is that we have at least some sort of check on the Biden regime now. Okay, so when we look back to what our founders intended, they gave us all those different levels of checks and balances, the separations of power. So we have that with federalism, right, where we have the state powers that can check the federal government. You have the federal government that can check any unruly out of control states. They work in unison and they balance each other out. But then we also in our federal government have different checks uh, in that own level where we have the judicial branch, the legislative branch, the executive branch. And then in the legislative branch, you have checks with the House of Representatives and the Senate where legislation bills have to pass through both of those chambers. So the fact that, you know what, we've got Biden for four years, no matter what, the last two years, we've had a Democratic House of Representatives, a Democratic Senate and a Democratic president. And so we've seen them be able to just steamroll any crazy legislation right through the House, right through the Senate, and then signed by the president with really no Republican pushback because they could pass the legislation without having to work in a bipartisan manner. Sometimes if you don't have the numbers, you need to win over the Republican votes if you're the Democratic Party in charge. And that means usually to win over Republican votes, what do you have to do? You have to make the bill more bipartisan. You have to put things in the bill or take things out of the bill that will win the support of people on the other side because the overall goal is to at least pass some of the bill, right? 
And so the Democrats didn't really have to do that for the last two years. And that's how we ended up with some really messy stuff being passed by Biden. So now adding to the mix, if we just win the House, right, this isn't if we have the House and the Senate, now we at least have to have the Democratic Senate, let's say we have that, with the House Republicans. And that means that legislation that goes to Biden to be signed has to pass not just the Senate, but the House of Representatives. The Republicans have to approve it. And so that kind of slows things down because maybe like the Green New Deal, if for by chance the Senate wants to uh put that up for a vote. Maybe it passes the Senate. If I don't think it ever would, unless we get to a really bad state as a nation. If it passes the Senate, it's certainly not going to pass the House. And so it can get blocked. Or if you have more moderate legislation, they can at least work together to find a way to create legislation that both chambers would be interested and willing to vote yes on, and then they could send it to Biden. The other aspect and concern of this is the fact that for multiple presidents now, In American history, we've seen the normalization of the use of mandates from the executive branch, and by that I mean the administration in the White House, or executive orders. So that means they basically just completely bypass the legislative process, even though our founders intended for the legislative branch to be the branch that makes the laws and then sends funding to certain laws. Now, what's a core concept that I want everybody who listens to this podcast to know? We've talked about this a lot, but it's the fact that one of the biggest problems in America today, if we want to save this country, this needs to happen. One of the biggest problems is that we've abandoned the original core purposes of the three branches of government. Our founders, like I said, wanted the legislative branch. By that, I mean the branch where we, the people, elect members of the representatives, the House of Representatives or the Senate to vote on legislation for us. They are the people that are most directly tied to the actual citizens of America. So because they are most directly tied to us, they answer to us most directly. They are the ones who are in charge of voting on all the legislation, writing the legislation, and then allocating the tax dollars, right? Because they're directly held accountable by us every two years and then in the Senate every six years. So usually what happens if we want to see change in our country policy or allocation of money, the legislature, the hundreds of people that are in there representing all the American citizens, they're the ones handling it. But what ended up happening is in the 20th century and then now in the 21st century, we've seen the growth of something called the fourth branch of government, the executive bureaucracy. Oh, got to cut in with a MyPillow ad. You guys, you've all helped build MyPillow into the incredible company it is today. Now, Mike Lindell, inventor and CEO of MyPillow, wants to give back to my listeners right now. MyPillow is offering exclusive offers on their bedsheets, their six-piece towel set, and even offering an extended 60-day money-back guarantee. Orders placed now through December 5th will now have an extended money-back guarantee through March 1st. The Giza bedsheets are marked down as low as $29.99. And believe me when I say you will get a great night's sleep in these. Their six-piece towel set is made with USA cotton comes with two bath towels two hand towels and two washcloths typically retailing for $89.98 but they're now just $39.98 with promo code morgan that's limited supply of those things you guys so be sure to order now call 1-800-738-8374 use promo code morgan or go to mypillow.com click the radio listener square and use promo code morgan thank you what ended up happening was the passing of many many bills in the legislature that now just get renewed. There are these huge pieces of legislation that get renewed every year that send massive amounts of money 
into the executive branch, into the bureaucratic organizations of the executive branch and all of the faceless, unelected bureaucrats that are in the executive branch bureaucratic offices. And it says, hey, we're going to allow you guys the experts like Dr. Fauci, we're going to allow you guys to make the decisions that you feel are appropriate on a whole array of issues. We're going to give you the power to do so, the ability to do so, and the money to do so. Here's just a ton of money and a ton of power to now make certain decisions that our founders really just wanted the people who are directly tied to continual elections every two years and every six years to be responsible for, we're just going to hand it all over to you. So that's how we ended up with with situations like, wait, you're telling me Dr. Fauci sent American taxpayer dollars last year to go torture puppies in some other country on the other side of the world by having fleas put in their their face chambers and then all of a sudden the fleas ate the, the puppy faces and all this stuff. Remember when that story came out and everybody was like, who gave Dr. Fauci the, the money and the ability to make a decision like that? Well, that's what happened now because you have the legislature handing over this kind of power and ability to hand funds to certain things and to give funds to certain projects that's all being handed to unelected faceless bureaucrats like Dr. Fauci, who's paid like $400,000 a year. But I digress. I've gone off on a little tangent here. Back to the whole point, though, we at least have won the majority in the the House of Representatives. So that means that now Nancy Pelosi, she's no longer going to be Speaker of the House. That's going to be a Republican. What happens when the Republicans win the majority? It means that now they control all of the committees. They control who leads each committee. They control what legislation each committee gets to to, uh, champion, to vote on, etc. So they help basically set the priorities of the House of Representatives now, and they have a lot more bargaining power in our federal government. So that's really exciting. The second aspect to that is the fact that they are going to be able to hold a lot more hearings and hold people accountable. Because we've seen over the last two years so much corruption, so many um, issues that we are all very concerned with, whether it's the COVID mandates or the FBI stuff, the crazy things that we hear about in our government, and we want answers. We haven't really gotten any because the Democrats have been in control of the committees that usually would be able to call and question and hold accountable um, the bad actors in our federal government. So that's going to be really exciting to see. Those are some positives, right? Now, the other thing we have to address is the fact that, like, yeah, the the red tsunami wasn't necessarily a tsunami. So why was that? Even with the state of our nation in horrid conditions, it just wasn't enough to win Democrats to our side. So what are the lessons? I would say, number one, Florida succeeded because DeSantis leads on policy. He leads on achieving real results in people's lives, on standing up vocally against the federal government's tyrannical behavior. And you know what? Not just by sending like fluffy, strong worded letters. And he's tackling the cultural conversations to defend the innocent, like the education of children and any crazy woke or health mandates coming out from D.C. And I say all of this about DeSantis because I just mean that he was an active leader. He is an active leader. He has an agenda. He goes forward. He brings actual progress. You understand what he stands for. You don't just see him complaining about the left. You don't just see him attacking Biden. It's all positive and inspiring. And I think the GOP needs to learn a thing or two about that. I mean, when was the last time you were really thrilled or you felt like your desires from a political party were met by the Republican Party of America today. 
When it comes to the actual Republican Party of America, I feel like they're still the same party that campaigned back uh, a long time ago that they were going to repeal and replace Obamacare. And then they won the midterms. And then what do you know? They had no plan to actually replace Obamacare. And then nothing happened. Like This is why we are all so frustrated with the actual party establishment. And that's why successful, uh, serious results-oriented leaders like Ron DeSantis are winning. They're inspiring people to once again enjoy and love being a Republican that's active in the party and that's active in the community. So the fourth and final thing that I saw in my my little evaluation of what the heck happened just immediately looking at it is the fact that young Americans are a really strong voting force now. Uh, we saw this in years ago, how they were warning us pretty soon, Gen Z and millennials are going to be the largest voting block in the nation. Not only that, you have an immense force on social media encouraging young people to register to vote, to show up to vote. And to them, they aren't like previous generations. They are totally okay. It's cool to them to schedule going to the polls into their day. Okay. I think this is something pretty new in American politics where young people are cool now for participating. The only problem is they, along with many, many other Americans, are completely brainwashed and are able to be brainwashed into any kind of topic, into things as ridiculous as, oh my gosh, show up to the polls because your daughters, your wives, the women in your life, you women out there, you're losing your human rights because of those evil Republicans. And if we don't win this election, if we don't get out the Republicans, we are going to repeat the handmaid's tale. Okay, that's the kind of narrative that they see and then completely fall for. And that's a serious, serious issue. They are a strong voting block, and that's concerning. And no, I'm not just saying that, oh, this is because of Dobbs. I mean, they are this passionate and this indoctrinated with issue after issue after issue. Can you really justify thinking any other way about this voting block after looking at how American politics has gone uh, issue after issue where everything is the end of the world to them. Everything is an insane issue to them, whether it was the kids in cages, remember that under Trump or all of the mainstream media narratives that we've seen so far. They all have the Ukraine flags in their bios now, right? I mean, we are in a very strange political time, and young Americans being so easily indoctrinated is very, very dangerous. I wish the best for them because I wish that they were capable of thinking for themselves and able to think outside of the box of indoctrination. Like for young women, I'm told that I'm, uh, I'm told that I'm internally misogynistic because I dare to say things like, "Oh, maybe women should lean into their feminine tendencies, their natural primal feminine ways, and they'd be happier. Maybe they should serve others in their life, like children and a husband." And, and family members instead of just themselves, and they'd actually be happier. They wouldn't be so depressed. They wouldn't be so dependent on pills. And then I'm told that I hate women for saying that, when in reality, I'm saying these things because I actually care about them. Meanwhile, you have politicians that encourage them to embrace hookup culture, embrace birth control, embrace terrible products with terrible chemicals and terrible narratives that make them depressed on the inside. And guess what? Embracing all of the things that the left encourages you to embrace via culture actually results in serious political problems that, guess what, can only be solved with leftist politics, like more welfare programs, more government intervention, more abortions. Again, I find it highly concerning and disturbing that the culture pushed on to young women and young men by the left is actually creating more of a demand for the leftist politics that they then ask us to vote for and support. You know what I mean? 
I mean, it's like when Planned Parenthood targets high school classrooms for health classes, teaching them all about the ways to have sex and stuff. And then they're like, oh, yeah. And by the way, if you get pregnant, then just stop by our office right down the road and we'll give you an abortion. (laughs) It's kind of (laughs) weird. You know what I mean? Like there's something actually quite disturbing about that. And it's not just with abortion and sex. It's with so many other things. So that's definitely a concern for us. Now, moving on to more questions. What surprised you most about the election cycle in a positive way? Uh, Number one, the victory of Ana Paulina Luna in Florida. She's been my friend for years now. And I don't know about you guys, but when you have friends in your industry, it's really exciting to see them succeed. And then it's also really hard to watch them fail, right? And so imagine being in politics where your friends are running for office all across the country. And you have to watch some of them lose. You watch some of them win. And you're so happy for them. But then at the same time, it happens every two years. And so I saw Ana Paulina Luna lose two years ago. Now she ran again and she won. And she is now, I think, 33. So her and her husband are just so sweet and precious down in Florida. And now guess what? Ana Paulina Luna is going to be your next Republican congresswoman down in Florida, and I'm so happy for her. So that was like, you know what? That news came in pretty early last night, and I was like, oh, okay, well, at least we got some good news. Next would be number two, you know, Florida went from purple to red. The success of Ron DeSantis in his entire state, right, because he was results-oriented, he had strong leadership. I saw the numbers. It turns out in 2018, when he first became governor, you guys, guess what? He won the race for governor in Florida, a purple state by about 30,000 votes. And in 2022, I kid you not, he won by 1.5 million votes. Can you believe that? That is fantastic. So that was a really cool surprise. Number three, in terms of questions, let's move on. Somebody asked, does the quality of candidates matter? We've been seeing a lot of debate about that last night, as soon as the losses started to come in. Number one, I want to address, we have some Republicans criticizing the GOP's bad candidates like Herschel Walker and Dr. Oz. They're saying that quality candidates matter, right? I agree. Primary season, though, matters very, very much because of this, because that is our chance as Republicans to put up all the people that we want to consider and then vote for the good person that we say, yes, that's our guy. That's who's going to carry us to the finish line. And that's who we want to represent us, not only in our district, but to also be our voice as a member of the Republican Party, of the House of Representatives or of the Senate, of the, the White House when they are in office, right? Like we're saying that this is the person that we want representing our values, our voices when we are going up into the general election and then, of course, to represent us in office. But the problem is we just completely overlook the primaries. You guys should see the insane small percentage of voters that show up on primary day. And so a lot of the times, if you've got bad candidates, if you've got like Dr. Oz, and if you look on the left, like Fetterman and stuff like that, Fetterman ended up winning. But the bottom line, if you have bad candidates like Herschel Walker, where he's had so many controversies come out about his personal life and about a bunch of other things throughout the campaign season after he won the primary, you have to say, geez, it's because people in the Republican Party or Republican voters don't care in that stage and they allow the establishment GOP or big money forces or people that have a lot of influence to come in quickly and say, we're deciding the winner of this primary. We're going to put all of our weight behind this guy. And that's a big problem in the Republican Party. They pick who is going to be put and then they pick bad people. 
because the wrong people are leading. So it's really an issue of structuring. It's an issue of process. And it's an issue of personality in terms of all of these things kind of shutting the voters out from the true primary process that's supposed to take place. So yes, I think that quality candidates do matter and we can get more quality candidates by caring more and having more attention and intention in the primary process as voters. Here's an example. In Georgia right now, Kemp won re-election. He is now going to be governor of Georgia one more term. He beat Stacey Abrams a second time. He's the Republican. He won by a strong amount. But then Herschel Walker, the Republican, on the ballot with him, who was running for Senate, is going into a runoff. He didn't win. So that means people went to the polls. I was listening to an evaluation of this. People went to the polls, voted for Brian Kemp to be governor of Georgia, the Republican, looked at Herschel Walker's name and said, mm, I don't want to vote for him, skipped it and just didn't vote for anybody, a Republican or Democrat, or they voted for the Democrat because they just didn't like Herschel Walker. So what does that say? How can we get people that are inspiring voters to want to fill in the bubble next to their name? I mean, if the guy is scaring voters away from voting for anybody because he's that bad of a personality or that bad of a politician, of a candidate, when he's just running, that people don't even want to vote for his name, they'd rather vote for nobody, then how did we allow this situation to happen in the first place where now we're dealing with this in the general election? You know what I, you know what I mean? So it's really frustrating to see. Now, the second thing here is that some people are also saying, you know what, if quality of candidates mattered, then explain Biden or Fetterman winning, right? And that's a good point. I would say to that that two things can be true at the same time. Number one, something that's true is that the left is so passionate about their political issues. You can see horrible candidates like Fetterman, like Joe Biden, make it across the finish line because the left is just ravenous about achieving political victory and not letting the Nazi Republicans win. You know what I mean? Like they will show up and they will vote, whatever. Whereas you have people that are Republicans saying, oh, well, I like Brian Kemp, but I don't really like Herschel Walker. So I'm just not going to vote for anybody in that one. And it's like, oh my gosh. Because you know what, you guys, back to the primary discussion, that kind of uh, nitpicking, that kind of, oh, well, I like his character. I like his personality or whatever. That's for the primaries. When it comes down to the general, this is a numbers game. We're trying to win the majorities. We're trying to win the majority in the Senate, majority in the House. This is not time for you to say, well, I don't like his character, so I'm not going to vote for the Republican running for Senate this time, but I'll vote for the Republicans and everything else. I'm sorry, but we are put in a situation where, yep, you know what? The Republican candidate right now, the person with the R next to their name, they are the one on the ballot for this general election, and we're going to have to vote for them because the bigger picture matters here. Unfortunately, people still don't understand that it's really just a numbers game, and then they vote by character or personality or just, well, I like him, I don't like him, I like him, I don't like him, and then they ping pong all over their ballot, and it's a complete mess. So, what I'm going back to that thing about the two things can be true at the same time. Number one, you have the true thing of the left is just so passionate, they're willing to vote for crazy candidates like Joe Biden and Fetterman. But then also, here's the thing that's also true. High quality candidates still matter and do matter and would cause positive change for Republicans if we embraced this, right? High quality candidates on the Republican ticket could defeat good or bad candidates on the side of the very passionate left. If we did it right, DeSantis quality candidates that inspire people, results matter. 
Right now, I'm seeing a lot of journalists down in Florida talking about not a phenomenon, but just a, a trend that they're seeing when they're talking to independents, to Democrats, where, you know, maybe they're like, a little secretive about it. But at the end of the day, if they're asked behind closed doors, if they're asked in a private conversation, they'll just say like, listen, I, I can't say that I don't like DeSantis because he doesn't really do anything wrong and he creates great results for me. And that's what Democrats are saying. So at the end of the day, if you're a solid leader, if you're a solid man, if you're a solid representative of the people and you're doing the people's work, it's kind of hard for the people to not like you. You know what I mean? All right. Next question. Susanna says, would love to hear your thoughts on Arizona. Love your podcast. Thank you. All right. So I, I guess this is a little personal to me because I lived there last year. I just got back to Texas, but I love Carrie. I love Ruby, her daughter. She's very special. very sweet. I saw her at the mall once and she was wearing a MAGA hat. I kid you not, you guys, in the middle of Scottsdale. And I said, what are you doing? Are you trying to die? Um, I would never. <laughs> I'm not interested in getting beaten up at the mall. But Ruby's just chilling there, this sweet, cute girl wearing a MAGA hat in the middle of a very, um, I would say, liberal area. So needless to say, I really, really love them as a family and I wish the best for them. But as a leader, a political leader, Carrie is phenomenal. And I am so excited for her political career because, again, she's somebody that inspires. She's somebody that speaks from her heart and can actually communicate about policy without having to look at talking point cards. So. What I also noticed is everybody in Arizona also loved Carrie too when I was there, okay? Pretty much everybody grew up watching Carrie on the news. That's what I learned is like she was the local news reporter. Everybody knows who she is and everybody loves her. She also, with her campaign, just created a massive wave of support. So to see the numbers be so close to Katie Hobbs, who is a dunce uh, and cannot form a complete sentence, is very shy and timid and didn't even debate Carrie because she said that she can't trust Carrie to be honest in an interaction with her. It's really shocking to see that these numbers are close whatsoever. Now, here's the thing. Katie Hobbs, Carrie Lake's opponent, the Democrat, is the secretary of state. So she's in charge of overseeing the election. So when you see all these crazy things coming out of Arizona right now, Maricopa County especially, you're seeing on election night they announce that they're not going to have the results for Maricopa County until Friday evening. The election happened on Tuesday. So now you need all of Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday to get a county's numbers submitted for one of the most important races in the country? Really? Can you see how it's like, how do you have faith in a system like that? Okay. On top of that, if you guys have ever heard Katie Hobbs, Carrie Lake's opponent speak, you would understand how confusing this result is uh, and how it will be very confusing if she wins. Now, a few quick questions on solutions and moving forward. Someone asked, how does your faith ease your soul in spite of the poor decisions our country makes? Number one, I would say not just with politics, but with a lot of stuff when you feel stress, I feel immediate stress, right? Like I'm an overthinker and I feel that rush. The negative hormones are all over my body, right? And I, I feel it. And then all of a sudden I have to actively remember. I think your faith is something that you actively have to practice and lean back into. And so even when I feel like, you know, the blood rush to my face and I get a little pit in my stomach, it takes me like five to 10 seconds to be like, okay. I need to remind myself what really matters and that I am not in control of any of this and that there is a plan for all of this. And that constantly reminding myself is definitely helpful to me. I don't know about you guys. There's a quote kind of moving into like how I prioritize stuff. There's a quote for me as a woman 
from Jillian Benfield, and it says, and then she realized she was replaceable in every area of her life except her home. So she invested her time, her energy, and her heart wisely. So for me, over the last year, I've really been leaning into this, and I personally restructured a lot of my schedule. I completely reallocated how I dedicate my time because I want to be focusing on things that are long-lasting, that are meaningful, and that are truly like my most important roles, right? And to me, that's not being a boss, babe. That's not me being a hyper-political commentator or anything like that and neglecting the more important things like family and relationships and your local community. And so I've been really focused in that. But at the same time, you guys, even though I think that those are my most important core purposes, I have to understand that so many sacrifices were made for us to be blessed with the opportunity of being born into a republic. We are in a constitutional republic that is made up of power of the people. We are members of these beautiful states that are a part of a constitutional republic. We have a beautiful system of federalism, and it all is reliant on each individual being responsible members of society and active members in the keeping of the republic. So I personally, you're spicy, I personally think men and women have different roles in the keeping of the republic. Young men, young women, older men, older women, everybody at all different stages of life, all different backgrounds. We all have our unique strengths and weaknesses, and that's in the personal life and in our community, the more local areas. But it's also in that general keeping of society, keeping of the republic. And so as a Christian, I want to honor God, right? And I want to make sure that I'm focusing on my family first, on relationships first and community first. But I want to honor God and do the righteous thing and serve others. And to me, that means that I can't just stay in my own bubble. I am a big believer in the fact that, you know, you may not want to do politics, but politics certainly does you sometimes. And man, it can be bad right? There's people out there that do politics every single day in a way that will destroy your way of life. And so we must do politics in a way that preserves our ability to be left alone. That's the whole point of this. And so how can we find that healthy balance of focusing on the things that we can control, but also being responsible members in society, responsible citizens? Uh, For me, that means behaving and advocating for human dignity and freedom. That means advocating my conservative values rooted in freedom and in our rights that are given to us by God and that should be protected by the Constitution, but right now they are threatened by tyrannical forces in our government. So my personal path in that is to be a responsible citizen, and I think the feminine version of this is to lean into my strengths and weaknesses and men have their own. But to me, I feel like as a young woman and as somebody who wants to be a mom one day and wants to focus on education, I think that that is for me to advocate for cultural changes, behavioral changes in my group, like in young women and in women, and in education reform of our youth. So that means everybody can flex their own strengths and then contribute to the keeping of this republic, to the saving of this country in their own way. Does that make sense? Next question is, is it wise to leave your home state if a Democrat wins there? Uh, Well, I mean, moving out of state, especially if you have a family, if you have people there, if you are moving other people with you or if you need to get a job and stuff like that, it is not something that should be a rash, instant decision where you flee after one election. But overall, long term, it should definitely be a conversation people are having. It's an important question to ask yourself, to ask your spouse, to ask your family members. Do we feel comfortable living here? 
as we see the direction that our nation is heading as the or the direction that our states certain states are going in right where do you want to plant your roots where do you want to be rooted when a storm comes what would your leaders in your town in your county in your state do if xyz happened and the pandemic the experience of covid the the pushing of vaccines and shutdowns and all this stuff lockdowns the things that they did to our children to get them to stay out of school the things that they threatened with our children forced vaccination etc all of that was a really really good example of wow i now know what certain people would do when uh crap hit the fan. You know what I mean? So to me, that really, 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 really matters. And that's why I won't be raising my family in upstate New York. Okay. And last question. Someone asked, are we screwed? Just kidding. Not someone. All of you guys asked if, are we screwed? Basically. One thing that we need to consider right away is the fact that the gas prices were being kept artificially low because Biden was releasing crazy amounts from our nation's reserves. The reserves are now at historically low levels and gas prices are about to skyrocket again because guess what? He did his job. He kept people happy. He kept the gas prices a little bit lower as people were heading to the polls. And what do you know? It pretty much worked. Now we're going to see a quick collapse of that situation. Uh, Number two, at the end of the day, we have some new checks on the Biden administration to slow down the train wreck, right? So at least we have some new checks. We were going two years without those checks. And now uh, I'm sure because the House Republicans are going to block quite a few things, or at least we can assume that that's going to be the case, we might see Biden flex um, more executive orders now to just try and bypass the legislature. Number three, I would say uh, the the left controls... (laughs) is going to be negative. The left controls every institution in this nation. So yes, we had a a little bit of a victory. We didn't do as well as we wanted to in the midterms, but at the end of the day, success or not in one election or a few elections is really um, not enough. If you understand what I mean, the left controls every institution in this nation, education, higher education, healthcare, corporate America, the financial world, the bureaucracy, federal law enforcement, Hollywood, the mainstream media, social media, and so, so much more. Okay. So for me, this kind of seems like if you thought this midterm election was make or break, then you are not seeing the big picture here. It kind of reminds me, uh, this is going to be a little mean. Sorry. I feel like football. But to the guys that make football their personality, right, it's totally fine to like watching football, okay? I personally, it's like, I think it's a little too much how humans are obsessed with these very distracting forces in their life, and then they they don't even know the names of their local politicians, they don't show up to vote, etc. I think that that's really sad. But hey, if you want to watch football, it's fine. I'll make you some snacks. I'm not going to complain if my husband likes to watch football, but there are guys out there that will have a make or break relationship with their football team every game. If they lose the game, they have a bad day for the rest of the day. How can you do that? You know, you got to see the bigger picture here in life, right? You got to have a different mindset on it. It's a little unhealthy. So I see it as this too. If you thought that this midterm election was going to be like make or break, if you think that, oh, now the country's over because we didn't do good in the red tsunami, I'm sorry, but you got to change the mindset a little bit. No matter what happened last night, we were still going to be stuck with quite a mess to fix up. And the only solution really is generational. And I personally think that 
that means we need to focus on education and the raising of children, the raising of the next generation, the preparation for those generational changes. So with that being said, I really appreciate you guys listening. Thank you so much. If you haven't hit subscribe, please subscribe. Thank you so much. And I'll talk to you next time. General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.